the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Northern Alliance Radio Network, the longest-running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities. It's great to be back in Minnesota today. Political analysis of the good, the bad, and the outright crazy. Now, here's your headline act, Mitch Berg. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. It's the wind beneath the right wing, the show that's making talk radio great again. The Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 12A, The Patriot. My name, Mitch Berg. My title, the headliner edition of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. In the second half of year 20 of dominating all Twin Cities media and making it look easy, along with my colleagues, Jack Tomczak, who's coming up in about an hour here with the new guy episode. Brad Carlson, tomorrow, of course, 1 to 3 here on AM 1280, The Patriot, the closer edition. Of course, uh, King Banyan, fellow charter member of the Northern Alliance Radio Network, Saturday mornings 9 to 11, talking economics better than anyone else in the business on our sister station, AM 1440, The Businessman. Uh, together with the Northern Alliance Radio Network, uh, going on 20 years strong, which means it's high time. I got that 10th anniversary party ready to go. So I remember uh, being in during the riots of 2020, and having that feeling as I watched the, the, the legal and social fallout from those riots and from the, the death of George Floyd and all the other proximal causes to that and getting the distinct impression as things went on that somebody was blowing smoke up my pant leg and calling it air conditioning. Those feelings came flooding back to me this past week uh, or so when I watched the fall of Minneapolis. I, but I, I immediately thought, we have got to talk with Liz Collin about this, and and therefore it has happened. I, my pleasure to welcome to the broadcast for the first time since election night, uh, Liz Collin from Alpha News joins us. Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Mitch. I appreciate it. Uh, it's absolutely my pleasure. So uh, I, I, I describe my reaction here. What was it that prompted you to go ahead and lead the production of this of this bit of reporting here before we get to the actual uh, actual uh, actual uh, movie here what uh, tell us about what what led you to to want to do this uh, to, to do the fall of minneapolis yeah yeah i know we have a lot lot to talk about here mitch oh, yeah. um certainly the terrible um news about uh derek chauvin being yeah. uh reportedly uh, stabbed yesterday in, in prison and we'll talk about that but as for as for me i sort of got uh, wrapped up in in all of this uh, because of my uh, relationship, my, my husband was the union president um, at the time of, of the Minneapolis uh, Police Department, and I was a longtime uh, WCCO anchor and reporter at the time. Um, and I thought I had a pretty unique perspective. I was trying to kind of sound the alarms on a lot of this uh, stuff where I was working, and nobody <laughs> nobody was listening. We wanted to go along pushing this divisive uh, narrative uh, and not question things and not be critical thinkers. Things were all tasked to do uh, as journalists. And I put out a book uh, in, in October, and that was mostly just so I could sleep at night, I guess I, I thought, and Alpha News was supportive of me doing so. And uh, this was sort of the next step in the process, making this documentary. Um, I had a lot of people kind of 
have have courage after putting the book out there um, to say that they would be willing um, to tell their stories for the first time. And that's what we wanted to do in, in the documentary form and also make it available for free. It was a crowdfunded effort so we could get this in, in uh, you know, in as many people to, to watch it as possible. And that was the, the goal here. So um, it was uh, just kind of a whirlwind of, of the last year, but it's been amazing as as far as people still believe in the truth. So I think there's some some hope uh, there. Yeah. Now, if you have a blood pressure problem, it may not be something you want to watch. It's it got me <laughs> it got me riled up. It, it just to just to synopsize it briefly here. It covers the killing of George Floyd, some underreported or unreported facts about that, uh, about the trial of the of the four officers, including Derek Chauvin and uh, and about the riots themselves. Uh, I mean, some unreported facts about the riots that, that escaped me at the time since you know, we had our own issues in St. Paul. Uh, the first question I've had people ask uh, of, of this, uh, Liz Collin, is why should I watch this? I've seen everything in the news. I've seen the trials. I, I, I know everything there is to know about this. Why should I spend two hours, almost, hour and 45 minutes, watching the fall of Minneapolis? What, what do you tell people to ask you that, Liz Collin? Yeah, you know, I just want to um, make it clear it's a, a story I wish I never had to tell, and I don't even like calling it a story. This is real life yeah. for people. But these are actually people you've never heard from before. Uh, that includes uh, Derek Chauvin from prison. That includes Alex King, who was his third is his third day on the job as Minneapolis police officer, yep. um, who is now serving a more than three year prison sentence. Uh, for his for his role these are also officers who were trapped in the third precinct telling their stories for the very first time as uh you know the brain trust decided to go ahead and and surrender that building uh to to the angry mob and i think this is such an important story because again the match was struck in minneapolis and spread all across the country and we're all less safe today as a result of the decisions uh but but more more importantly i'd say um because of the lies uh, that that were told beginning on uh, May 25th of, of 2020. So let's talk about the lies. I mean, let, let's let's start first with the the killing of George Floyd. Now, I had a source in EMS at Hennepin County who said it, it showed all the symptoms of ketoacidosis, of, of the sort of things that happen when someone is having respiratory distress uh, with an overdose, which is infuriatingly uh, close to being seen as, as the actual cause in the initial autopsy. And yet, and yet this alternate narrative slipped in. D- described how that, that process worked, because that, that's when my blood pressure first spiked, Liz Collin. Yeah, and, you know, we talk, we talk about the lies, Mitch, but it's really all of, all of this information that is withheld from the public. And people need to question why. Why weren't we told uh, you know, about the, the entire interaction with George Floyd? Why weren't we told that that he, um, you know, could not breathe before Derek Chauvin uh, arrived on scene. Why were we not told that Thomas Lane called for an ambulance 36 seconds after George Floyd himself uh, asked to be lay on the ground, laid on the ground? Why weren't we told uh, that, that he denied uh, taking anything that, you know, and he has three times the lethal limit of fentanyl uh, in, in his system? Why, were we to- why weren't we told that a black officer arrested George Floyd? Because all of these things very clear in this body camera footage that's uh, nearly an 18-minute interaction that's kept from the public, um, they, they see this body camera footage. It obviously goes very against what the Minneapolis mayor is saying at the time, what our governor is saying at the time. Uh, so they had to, to hide it. And it, it was <laughs> it was hid still to this day. That's you know why we decided to start the documentary with it, because because most people, frankly, haven't haven't seen it. And why weren't we told that what the officers were, were doing 
um, was was part of what they were trained in doing. You have this MRT, this maximal restraint technique that there's several mentions of uh, in the body camera footage. They're clearly talking to each other. Um, the officers are. And that's on body camera footage. But again, this is all things that were, were kept hidden. Yeah. And in fact, not, not only kept hidden, but actively concealed. I mean, the, one of many parts that had me ready to throw things around my living room as I watched uh, Liz Collin was Chief Arredondo and the other, at least one of the other training officers lying, perjuring themselves on the stand about, about whether or not that was a, a common technique or it was a trained technique that was approved by the Minneapolis Police Department. It's one of those things where I, I got the sense that people knew it was a lie then, but yet somehow it got swept under the rug and it's been allowed to stand all this time and it was allowed as evidence. Uh, and 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 here it is again. And they lied. There's no two ways about this, Liz Collin. How how did they get away with it? And why why is this why is this allowed to stand, Liz Collin? I mean, my frustration is leaking out here again. Yeah, and I think that, you know, a lot of people um, have contacted me, you know, asking that same question. And those are questions I can't answer. I mean, I, I, again, why this isn't even important. If you're, you know, if you're a a citizen of of Minnesota, I think, what does this say about, you know, this so-called justice system? But if you're a, a citizen of this country, is this what you want our our justice system to look like. And I think Alex King makes a very good point uh, in the movie as I'm talking to him uh, again, behind bars as he's having this uh, conversation, but this is a North Minneapolis kid who dreamed of being a a police officer. Um, You know, he's third day of the job. His mom's a longtime educator in Minneapolis and he's all swept up in, in all of this too. And he says, you know, is this what, is this where we are now that, you know, the mob rules the day? And he says, you know, question what the media pushes down your throat don't fall for it don't don't fall for these lies you know we're, we're better than this and i think that you know that was really the message uh that we wanted to portray and then sadly with this news that uh happened yesterday you just you just sort of wonder you know where where do we live uh now this is this it's absolutely frightening i mean it really should it really should scare people and i hope wake wake some people up and watching the response from some of our our fellow our neighbors on the left at the news of Derek Chauvin being stabbed you know, while in federal yeah. custody just kind of makes me think hey, we're, we're, we're not done with this. This the, the writing is just beginning. Let's talk about the trial, because I, I talked about uh, Arredondo's. I, I think it has to qualify as perjury. I've had friends uh, when when I told them to watch uh, and they said, well, I mean, this this trial was already settled via due process. And the the term due process just means there is a process and you follow it. But it's not a get out of jail free card for terrible decisions, uh, terrible, uh, terrible uh, uh, miscarriages of justice. I mean, slavery was upheld via due process. Uh, The internment of the Japanese in World War II was upheld by uh, due process until it wasn't uh, 40 years later. Due process is not a get out of jail free card for for bad uh, for, for bad legal work for bad judges for judges who are driven by agendas. Let's talk about the trial. What what impressions do you have of the actual conduct of the trial and of uh, and of the judge's conduct during the trial? Let's call it. Yeah, I think that we we go into that quite a bit in in the book, and you know sometimes it's hard to um, boil that down uh, for the the actual film itself, but. It's almost as if, um, you know, and, and 
and uh, Derek speaks to this and his mom does as well in the film, that the, the trial was basically the script was written before the trial even began. Uh, you have 14 pages of jury instructions that the, that the jurors need to follow. Uh, you have this, this uh, jury separated, you know, basically in and out of this uh courtroom each day in Hennepin County where National Guardsmen are, are standing guard and there's uh, barbed wire surrounding uh, the building. Um, you know, you you just have a lot of things, not so much what the jury was allowed to see, but what they were not. You know, I speak to this uh, body camera footage, this 18-minute interaction. Well, in the end, the jurors are allowed to see about 90 seconds um, of, of just that. Uh, the MRT slide, uh, this maximal restraint technique that I've discussed before, again, jurors are not allowed uh, to see that. That was not allowed in, in trial. Um, so we just really tried to walk viewers through um, just just that process and, and you know let them kind of decide uh, for themselves if this is what they think justice should should look like. 651-289-4488 if you have questions for Liz Collin uh, about uh, her report on the fall of Minneapolis uh, by that title, uh, 651-289-4488. You can also join us on Twitter, Gab, MeWe, or Getter at hashtag NarnShow. Questions or comments, let us know. One more segment with Liz Collin coming up next on the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. AM twelve eighty the Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network, six five one two eight nine four four eight eight. The number to call if you have questions or comments for Liz Collin of Alpha News, the producer and reporter behind the fall of Minneapolis. Let's head straight back to talk with Liz here. How can people see the movie? I mean, we've gotten this far. We haven't actually given the plug for where to go to see the fall of Minneapolis. Liz Collin, where people uh, where can people see more? Yeah, so it's on our Rumble channel for Alpha News. So it's Alpha News MN, all one word, Alpha A-L-P-H-A News MN. Also, uh, we did, once we hit a million views, uh, we went ahead and put it up on uh, X and also on YouTube. So you can find it on YouTube as well. But I think we just surpassed uh, nearly 2 million views at this point when you add up all the the platforms uh, all together. So it it really has been uh, amazing. And again, we're just kind of a a little uh, Minnesota media news operation, but really goes to show um, that the people are, I think, just uh, sick and tired uh, of of all of these uh, lies. And in a way, we're just trying to set the record straight here. Absolutely. And it's it's definitely worth a watch. Now, I'm, I'm probably up for another go around at some point here. I did post actually a link. Take to- your medication <laughs> first, Mitch. There you go. <laughs> I may need medication <laughs> once I do this again. Uh, so far, so good, though. At any rate, I did post it at shotinthedark.info uh, after I watched it. I'll do it again at shotinthedark.info later on today when I get a moment here. So uh, the question I've heard is um, one, one criticism, one of the less convincing criticisms I've heard of the of your documentary is she just interviews a lot of cops and i'm thinking boy if there is god, god forbid yeah, i god know forbid. if there's they have a voice yeah. Yeah, i know if, if there's anything that that is a takeaway from this whole episode is the gutting of the minneapolis police department the numbers made my jaw drop i knew it was bad but when you ran down the numbers where they started in 2020 where they're at today my jaw literally dropped. I had no idea how bad it was. How how bad is it in the Minneapolis uh, Police Department today, Liz Collin? Well, I think uh, we're working off the numbers of lo- losing about uh, 380 officers at this point. So it's almost 
35, 40 percent of where they were in uh, May of, of 2020, the, the beginning of uh, b- before all of this. And, I, you know, I try to say that I wish there was a, a, a happy ending here, uh, but I don't see how they come back uh, from this. You have a, a Minneapolis police chief, I, I think, still sort of doubling down on this. And, you know, my thought is, that, hey, if we just tell the truth uh, uh, about this, I think that could help turn things around. But, you know, you have a, a profession now. These, these guys and gals go to work every day that, you know, not only do you have to, you know, perhaps worry about losing your job, but let's say your, your freedom is taken away, uh, too. Um, and the, these are simply think, thoughts and feelings that people don't have in other in other uh, pr- professions. And it's just, um, yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty heartbreaking to, to see. I mean, I, I think it's impossible not to see the difference in, in Minneapolis. And that's why we decided to title the, the movie uh, The Fall of Minneapolis, because many people would point to this exact uh, incident for it uh, to, to be the fall. And I heard so many people on social media say, oh, Minneapolis hasn't fallen. Yeah, it has. It's not the city that I moved to in 1985. Uh, Back when people were calling it the Athens of the 20th century, it has fallen a long way since. And by the way, uh, it just shows the the importance of leadership. I don't compliment St. Paul's leadership much for good reason. They don't deserve much. But I will say during the riots, the contrast between Madaria Arredondo and Todd Axtell in St. Paul, who said, yeah, we got behind the account on one day, but uh, if you want to riot in St. Paul, we're abandoning nothing. We will bust heads, and by God, they did. And it's I, not often I'm proud to be from St. Paul, but, boy, it's things just a tad more functional there. I'll give them that much. Uh, let's go to the phones in St. Paul. Tom, welcome to the Northern Alliance Radio Network. You are on the air. Having my call, and thanks for writing the book, Liz. Um, hey, I have thank a you. Quick, yeah. I have a quick question, and I'm 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 a little confused on the timing, and that's why I'm asking it. This first autopsy was was it at twelve hours? At that point, at twelve hours, was that autopsy completed? Uh, Liz Cullen, the question about the uh, the dueling autopsies that turned up at trial. The first one was uh, completed within twelve hours. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. Well, it was completed uh, because we we know that um, all of the documentation points to to that. However, that is it, it's changing over the course of of several days, uh, which is very. Um, we'll just say that that doesn't normally happen. There are many meetings with prosecutors, um, and different things are being added uh, to the autopsy. So it's hard to kind of nuance that with with language but it certainly was completed within 12 hours and and withheld for for nearly a week uh from from the public and you also have the fbi perform their own autopsy as well as george floyd's family uh who hires uh you know this outside group and they call that an independent uh autopsy so the timing of all of that i i think is uh is quite suspect to anybody who sees the the timeline and the and these handwritten notes and you know the prosecutors obviously keep track of of their uh, conversations with Dr. Baker, uh, too, as, as to, to all of that. It's all coming back to me. I just keep getting more furious reliving this in my mind. Uh, let's go to Somerset, Wisconsin, safely across to St. Croix. Uh, John, uh, you're on the air with Liz Collin. Hi, Liz. Uh, I had a question about uh, when uh, uh, Maxine Waters came to the Twin Cities oh, and she was trying to intimidate the, the jury pool. And they had to vote. I mean, they had to go a certain way with uh, the conviction. Otherwise, there'd be consequences. 
Uh, yeah, you had. A, by the way, yeah, excellent uh, point, John. Thank you for your call, John. Yeah, the the pressure from outside Minnesota, where your Al Sharptons and your Maxine Watersers are showing up to uh, just to be heard by potential jurors. That was that was another uh, gross abuse in, in so many ways. Yeah, and you had um, the the defense quickly ask uh, to you know to bring this up and and declare a mistrial, but the, the judge. You know, you see in the, in the film his reaction to all that. Maxine Waters was in town at a, a protest. This was after the uh, Dante Wright situation involving uh, Kim Potter from a, a neighboring agency. Uh, so she had a, a lot to say about jurors finding the, the right conclusion and, um, you know, p- putting on the, the pressure um, in, you know, and it was pretty, pretty remarkable the, the, the way the judge reacted uh, to that, saying that a congresswoman's uh, opinion does, doesn't matter much. Yeah. Was there anything that that Judge Cahill could find in favor of for the defense? I mean, the, 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 that's one of the apocryphal, not apocryphal, but the, the the side points of the documentary is Cahill seemed to break pretty heavily for the prosecution pretty consistently. I mean, is, is that a pattern you were looking to get across there? Because it sure seemed like it. Yeah, you know, I, I think that we've kind of done extensive research on all this the last couple of years, and I think we would have try to balance this a little bit more if we found um, if we found that. But it, it certainly seemed to, to favor uh, the, the prosecution, no doubt. So in the moments we have remaining, Liz Collin, uh, let's talk about why the why here. What do you want to see happen as a result of, of this documentary coming out? What do you want people to take this information and go forth and do, if anything? Uh, you know, I think that people need to be more vocal and, and speak up for the truth. I think too many of us have been quiet for far too long. Um, you know, and I do want to mention, um, we put up a story on Alpha News um, just a short while ago. It's been 24 hours, uh, well, more than 24 hours now at this point, that Derek Chauvin was stabbed in, in prison, according to this um, AP reporter and, and their source. And, you know, his, his mother has not been notified of it. His attorney, uh, Bill Mormon is his name, has not been notified uh, of that attack at, at all. And you, instead, you have uh, Keith Ellison seems to know about it. Um, he's received information and, and saying that that uh, Derek Chauvin is is stable, um, but but th- these are just uh, horrific consequences to to the lies we're living th- this day. So I hope people will will speak up. I mean, it's great pass pass the word um, about the the film. It's great that you know so many people have watched it. But I also you know think we need to to do more. We don't need to have these conversations in in secret. No, in fact, that's that's the whole point. We need to get this out in public and 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 drag people kicking and screaming into into the conversation here because this is this is more than just the collapse of a city. This is more than just the collapse of a police department and 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 the perception of fairness and and equality in our justice system here. This is this this is a, a key fault line in the in the ongoing moving of our societies collapsing from endemic to acute. I mean, this is, this is serious business here. When, when people can't trust the institutions around them to rule on things like this fairly, impartially, and without being pushed by the dominant narrative, then what on earth can we trust? And, and is democracy even possible when, when you go far enough down that road, Liz Collin? I think that's, that's the big takeaway for everyone here is if you can't trust your institutions, what do you right. do to keep a democracy going? And it was just an, it, amazing as the media almost seems happy to report this news about uh, Chauvin being stabbed, and yet they are silent on a film that garners 2 million views uh, in, in a week, 
you know, and there's a Minnesota connection uh, to be sure. But but people really need to, I think, turn off the the, the local news. I mean, it's uh, they've helped to contribute to to all of this. I saw it, I saw it firsthand, and you know, it, it it it's it's what are what are we what are we doing? I don't know how a lot of these people sleep at night. To be to be quite honest, but. I don't. That's a great question right there. Perhaps that's another documentary one of these days here is is what is what is it that people are thinking? I mean, I I, I've seen more investigation from uh, news outlets in the Twin Cities lately about Salem Radio than I have about the the, the trial. I mean, it's 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 their priorities are absolutely straight. Liz, call. We got about a minute to go. One more time. Where can people find out more uh, about uh, about watching uh, Fall of Minneapolis? Yes, if you just head to thefallofminneapolis.com, all of the information is there as well. Our Rumble channel, Alpha News MN. Uh, also on the fall of Minneapolis, uh, we have more information about just different press things uh, that, that we are doing. And um, you know, I'm still kind of talk, talking about the book um, at, at certain places as well. Um, so I hope people will stay tuned because this, this isn't over. It's certainly not. Uh, Liz Cobb, by the way, I, you've done the book. You have done the movie. What's the next project in line here? This this ought to be good. I don't know why people keep asking me that. I'm just retiring. I'm just going. going out. Uh, you know, we have we have a lot a lot of work to do at Alpha News. You know uh, better than anyone, Mitch. There's all kinds of material in Minnesota. So, no shortage uh, of stuff to cover. Absolutely, Liz Collins. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, time this afternoon. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Keep us posted on the next uh, on, on anything else that comes up here. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Mitch, very much. Happy holidays to you. Take Likewise care. to you, too. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 12A. The Patriot will be posting the links to the movie here at shotinthedark.info shortly. Go nowhere. Be right back. AM 12A, The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network, 651-289-4488, the number to call. By the way, uh, the podcast here at this station, if you like that interview with Liz Collin, you can listen to it again if you want. Go to m12athepatriot.com slash podcasts. There you can hear old episodes going back, I don't know, a couple years, I think, now, from this broadcast, uh, myself, Brad, Jack, King, and a bunch of the other shows here on AM 12A, The Patriot. So, by the way, that's the place to go if you want to hear something from previous weeks that uh, caught your attention. That's exactly why it's there. AM12Athepatriot.com slash podcast. 651-289-4488. Now, I, 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 I saw a tweet from Governor Klink, uh, co-Governor Klink, I should say, this past week. Uh the co-governor of the state of Minnesota tweeted, quote, we just announced $5 million in new funding to address food insecurity across the state ahead of the holidays. Now, this is presumably answering uh, the, the headlines that came out over the past couple of weeks that food shelves in the state of Minnesota, uh, as we headed into Thanksgiving, are facing unprecedented challenges. The demand is huge. Biggest demand ever. It's up there passing records. And it got me to wondering, especially since Governor Klink was just waving this around saying, hey, we're pouring money into food shelves. Uh, Wasn't the administration and the DFL majorities in the House and Senate telling us this last six months now since the legislative session ended that Minnesota's economy was doing better than ever? And that, by extension, Bidenomics? 
is something other than, I don't know, a bitter joke whose self-induced inflation was no way, no how hurting poor and working class people worse than the general population. And that the actions this past session were going to reduce poverty by what was the number again? 30 percent. Now, they didn't say it would reduce childhood poverty by 30 percent in six months. Or a year. Or 10 years. They didn't put a timeline on this claim. They just claimed it over and over again, usually in the context of a selfie involving Lieutenant Governor Flanagan feeding Governor Waltz a corn dog at the fair. But if any of that was true, if the the program to feed every single child in Minnesota two meals a day, regardless of their means, is in fact having an effect, And if the economy in Minnesota is still set to puree, and if anything the administration in St. Paul or D.C. is saying about the effects of Bidenomics is true, if any of that is true, then this would not be an issue, would it? If the economy was humming along best ever, if they had really created more jobs than in all of human history, we wouldn't have people bum-rushing the food banks in record numbers, would we? I am just a simple talk show host. So I don't know. I'm never the smartest person in the room, ideally. And it, it, the fact that it makes no sense to me may not be all that counterintuitive, but if it makes sense to someone how you could simultaneously have Minnesota's economy going great guns, I can't say guns, can I? Going great, uh, I don't know, uh, equality or equities, uh, and yet people are hitting the food shelves in record numbers. What? What is? What is not adding up here? Help me, help you, help me, help you. And by the way, I'm assuming that the quarter of a billion dollars in food aid stolen by people closely affiliated with the DFL might have had some, might have been able to help the situation. But why are we having the situation? If the economy's that good? <sighs> Earlier in the show, by the way, I talked about uh, Berg's 21st law and the Alandra Cano uh, corollary to Berg's uh, 21st law, which says that in blue cities, politics never gets any less blue. If you think it, things are completely absurd and you think something, some event, some tra- something is going to transpire to get the voters to vote for something less blue, less progressive, less crazy, you're wrong. It won't happen in a blue city. Now, you could look at the events of this past week in Argentina, where Javier Millet won not just won an uh, election over the center-left, quote, center-left neo-socialist in the campaign for president of Argentina. Uh, But you have to remember, Argentina, A, has uh, is is not a, a city it's a, an entire country with the usual blue what we would call blue red divide that we have here in in the twin in the twin cities in Minnesota and America but it is interesting by the way uh, the election of Millet create a whole, uh, as these things often do created a whole lot of instant experts on Argentinian politics we'll come back to that uh, libertarian conservative Javier Millet crushed his center-left opponent showing Argentina's crushing dissatisfaction with a decade plus of center to far-left politics. I mean, they—it's—it's it's interesting watching the media's response. Javier Millet is—is uh, is seen as a, a right-wing ideologue, whereas one of the people he replaced, uh, not the 
most recent uh, prime minister, but the one before that, uh, president rather, I should say, uh, a, a woman who was a socialist and as corrupt as the day is long, in fact, was chased out of office for being corrupt, never got a word of mention scarcely on the national public radio and its adoring coverage of the socialist woman, the first woman to lead Argentina, and of course, to lead it down the handbasket to hell, financially and socially speaking. Uh, but Javier Millet, who is a forthright anti-communist, a forthright libertarian, a forthright free marketeer, someone who has called for Argentina's uh, ridiculously uh, tight gun laws to be loosened to allow uh, common citizens to defend themselves. Uh, anyway, Big Left is apoplectic. Quote, a radical libertarian and admirer of Donald Trump rode a wave of voter rage to win Argentina's presidency on Sunday last week, crushing the establishment and bringing the sharpest turn to the right in four decades of democracy in the country. Javier Millet, a 53-year-old far-right econ- far right economist and former television pundit with no governing experience, claimed nearly 56% of the vote in a stunning upset over Sergio Masso, the center-left economy minister who has struggled to resolve the country's worst economic crisis in two decades. Let's, that, by the way, it's a little misleading. It's been a constant economic crisis for two decades, and it's only gotten worse, as this past decade has been has featured far-left socialist governments who have left this, the, the nation of Argentina with an inflation rate of, are you ready for this, 140%. That means if you get paid the equivalent of a dollar uh, to, uh, today, uh, today in Argentina, in a week, that dollar will be worth 97 cents. In a month, that dollar is going to be worth 88 cents. In a year, that dollar is going to be worth about 40 cents. 40 cents? 38 cents, I believe. I'm doing the math in my head here. How do you think that goes for savings? How do you think that works with investments? Oh, yeah, it doesn't. Argentines have not been able to save money, have not been able to build wealth to speak of unless you unless they are lucky enough to be able to own land or other hard assets like gold and the like, in close to 20 years. Uh, some of the, the writing coming out of Argentina about how people are having to adapt to this sort of economic collapse, that is the only word for it, is instructive in that it looks like something out of Lord of the Flies or or. The Great Depression, only worse in some ways. At least they didn't have inflation during the Great Depression. At least if you saved something, it would become worth something eventually if you had anything to save. At least if you created something of value, you could find some prosperity in the Great Depression. There's no way to do that in Argentina. And by the way, it got that way. How do you suppose? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Exactly the way Minnesota and the Biden administration is leading Minnesota and the the United States. Now, Minnesota isn't deficit spending. That is currently unconstitutional in Minnesota. Give the DFL time. Uh, they, they can turn Minnesota into another California, which, by the way, is essentially Argentina waiting to happen. 
I mean, they have done the public spending. They, they do allow public debt in California, and it shows $100 billion spent on a train that has yet to carry its first passenger a significant distance outside Los Angeles. You, you have a level of spending far above and beyond the GDP that has made the, the Argentinian peso worthless to the point where Javier Millet basically wants to ditch the currency, peg the new currency to the dollar. Yeah, the dollar is looking stable compared to their money after all this spending and slash spending. Now, as Don Serber pointed out on his Substack this past week, uh, don't anoint him yet. But this is a situation where the vote matters more than the candidate. He's not wrong. Uh, by the way, Don Serber, brilliant Serber, Don Serber on Substack, brilliant guy. He's one of the uh, old school bloggers from 20 years ago. Uh, he added something that, that I had to just sound off on. He, he wrote, quote, I don't recall Argentina being great before. Uh, in regards to the make Argentina great again uh, reference. I don't recall Argentina being great before, but diplomacy requires a certain suspension of reality. Well, no. Uh, Argentina was, in fact, if not great, at least doing really, really well not that terribly long ago. Once, a hundred years ago, Argentina was once uh, one of the richest nations on earth and a rival of the United States. Some facts about Argentinian uh, economic history are within the last uh, since the turn of the 20th century between 1900 and uh, the 1930s, the Argentine economy rivaled the United States. The per capita income was up there at American levels. Uh, The it continued until the 1930s when the Democratic government fell to a military coup and then to the populist Neo, let's call it neo-socialist government of Juan Perón and uh, her, his wife, Evita Perón, Eva Perón, who uh, were a cult of personality, who created a populist form of socialism. They call it Peronism. It is basically corporatism, bringing a planned economy to uh, to to at least the the, the high level vestiges of a free market economy. But really, it was essentially uh, the government called the shots and allowed the private industry to keep its ownership of its assets. But when told to bark, it had to bark on command. It's really the same sort of free economy that the Nazis had, essentially obeying government orders uh, at every point. So Argentina was, in fact, great for quite some time. 651-289-4488. One more segment to go, which means the fun is still just beginning. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. AM 1280, The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network, 651-289-4488. Elephant in the Room, by the way, my band, great gig last night at Shamrocks on West 7th. We'll be back there in January. Our next gig coming up at the Anoka Legion, December 15th. Yeah, a couple of weekends off. That'll be kind of nice. But uh, we'll be back. We're going to have a lot of fun with this, too, by the way. 651-289-4488, the number to call. Let's go to the phones in Shoreview. Bob, welcome to the Northern Alliance Radio Network. You are on the air. Uh, thanks. Yeah, I watched the documentary, uh, The Fall of Minneapolis. I watched it twice. And the thing that struck me was the only photograph that Judge Cahill allowed at the trial uh, 
was taken from a bystander's point of view. The camera angle of that photograph makes it look like Chauvin's knee is on George Floyd's neck. But camera angles can be deceiving, and they can make things appear to be other than what they actually are. Yep. You know, Liz, Liz shows another angle where it looks like Officer Chauvin's knee is on the shoulder blade of George Floyd. Right. And uh, Judge Cahill would not allow those things. You know, it, it always seemed to me that this whole incident was two things happening at the same time. Um, the officer Chauvin's knee was pinning George Floyd down, but at the same time, the overdose of fentanyl that he took was taking effect at that very same time. Yeah. And there you got the most unfortunate coincidence in the whole world. Yeah. And, and by the way, that's, that's the interesting part, but thank you very much for your call, Bob, is that people think there, there's an amazing number of people out there who think that George Floyd died on the scene at 38th in Chicago. No, he died in the ambulance, as, by the way, the video shows. He, he went into arrest on, uh, on what was it, 36th and Park. Anyway, up on the 30s on Park Avenue, they have an ambulance pulled over. And the, and the officers who are current, one of the officers who are currently serving prison time, uh, for the case was giving Floyd CPR, uh, which, by the way, tracks with uh, the information I got from a source in Hennepin County EMS who said he, he died of the respiratory arrest caused by a ketoacidosis that was a byproduct of, of, the, of the fentanyl that he that the movie alleges he ate to avoid getting another drug, drug rap on his record. By the way, kids. If the cops pull you over, don't eat the drugs. <laughs> don't eat fentanyl. There's a good, even if you take nothing else away from the movie, and there's much else you should take away from, from Fall of Minneapolis. Kids, don't eat fentanyl. You, you don't know what the dose is. You don't know what's going to do to you other than the fact that it is very likely to kill you. And that little bit of street knowledge about eating the drugs to prevent a search is lethal these days. Yeah, what if you're if you're eating marijuana, big whoop. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a itchy consumable. Fentanyl is poison that will kill you dead. And this is consistent with the the reporting I heard from fellow EMS workers, from fellow paramedics. Uh so this is yeah. This is this is uh, an incredibly It's worth watching. There are people, I I say, well, it didn't really tell me anything new. Really, really. didn't tell you. I mean, you didn't know that that Arredondo perjured himself and that the information that would have shown the jury that that Arredondo was lying, Chief Arredondo, and a number of other high-ranking Minneapolis police officers were lying, wasn't allowed in front of the jury. That, That didn't affect the case. I'm sorry. It may be due process in the sense that the procedural check marks were checked off in the proper order. I don't think it gave the jury the information they needed to make it a rational, correct, complete decision. My opinion. And by the way, that's not to to uh, that's not to excuse bad policing. There are people who say, "Yeah, the Minneapolis has a long tradition of." Of, uh, of of thumpers, cops who do abuse people. 
Perhaps. I mean, that's definitely true. And I've been one of their critics for 30 years now. Uh, it there are some very there have been some very bad apples in the Minneapolis Police Department. The movie brings, I think, some credible question to the notion that Derek, Derek Chauvin was one of them. Certainly, I asked people what was what did the movie present that was wrong? What facts presented were in error or false in any way? And the closest we got. Other than, hey, nothing new I didn't know of before. Okay, fine. Or specious, insipid points like, oh, Minneapolis didn't fall. Yeah, it did. Minneapolis has fallen. Minneapolis is not the beautiful, affordable, uh, city chock full of opportunities that it was when I moved there in 1985. It's just not. There's just no way you could. If you're If you're not... 40 years old. If you're under 40 years old and you do not you you did not you could not have seen the Minneapolis of the mid 1980s. Uh, I'm not going to wallow in nostalgia here. But there was a reason so many of us came to Minneapolis back then and those reasons are just not true anymore. Anyway, it's Thanksgiving week. I, I planned on spending a segment or two talking about this and I didn't. So many things to be thankful for. I I posted a long list of them at Shot in the Dark on Thanksgiving Day, a piece entitled Gratitude. And another one uh, entitled Things I'm Thankful for Today, Part 1. A fellow named Dr. Strange Tweet uh, reacted to uh, something from uh, The Nation, which is a left-wing, far-left magazine, uh, asking people to let drop the lie of Thanksgiving and begin a truth-giving. And it was a piece that I thought uh, the response by Dr. Strange tweet is is a pseudonym, believe it or not, uh, was so glorious. I think everyone deserves uh, a chance to read it. I posted it uh, at Shot in the Dark under Things I'm Thankful for Today, Part 1, Thanksgiving morning. Let's have a little truth giving, he said. You're a bunch of ungrateful, entitled, self-righteous jerks who do nothing but tear at the foundation of a nation that allows people like you to whine and complain while offering no workable solutions or add anything of value. It points out that that not only do we have much to be grateful for as a nation, yes, even now, especially perhaps even now, but denying that is something so repulsive as to deserve the mocking that this particular thread of tweets gave it. I commend it to your attention. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you all. God bless America. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.